Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of the All Things Sports Show podcast. And I'm your host, Uday Khandelwal. And I'm glad to be joined by my dear friend, Siddharth Mehta, for this one. Hello, Sid. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Uday. Uh, good to be back on the podcast again and uh, discuss football, just like old times. Yes. Uh, so, uh, in this episode... <clears throat> We are discussing, we are done with the match week 36 of the Premier League. And that means that we are almost about to finish the season. And uh, this season has definitely been eventful. And there have been, uh, and there's lots to discuss, both at the top of the Premier League as well as at the bottom. And we'll start from the top. And uh, Man City and Arsenal. Now, Arsenal had to really keep the pressure up. Uh, to really challenge and take it deep uh, into the Premier League. But uh, it turned out they couldn't really do so this week and uh, they lost to Brighton. Uh, Man City, on the other hand, had a tricky fixture away to Goodison, but they came up good as they usually do. So we'll talk about Man City to begin with. Uh, Sid, what is it about Man City? They were 3-0 winners uh, at Everton, very comfortable. And uh, it seems with them that there's someone who's always there who scores. This time it was Ilkay Gundogan with his uh, tricks. And uh, if it was not Haaland, it was someone else. This time it was Gundogan. But there's something about Man City that when it comes to the business end of the season, they always deliver. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, you absolutely hit the nail on the head with that one. Uh, Man City do come alive uh, in these uh, crunch moments at the end of the season. And uh, especially over the last four or five years, I've seen uh, whenever they are approaching the end of the season, they just seem to find an extra uh, spring in their step. And somehow they are able to get through the results uh, while Wills playing very attractive football. Uh, very rightly, you said that uh, they keep finding someone uh, to put up their hands for delivering uh, the goods. Uh, this time there was Gundogan. Sometimes there, there has been... Uh, Foden, Kevin De Bruyne has been a he's 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 a Man City le- legend, uh, if I may call that. Um, then there are like uh, Mahares, Grealish, uh, Rodri, uh, Holland is there. There's uh, there's Julian Alvarez to support Holland as well when he probably gets injured. So there's always someone uh, holding up their hand and delivering for Guardiola. And uh, kudos to Guardiola as well. He has managed his squad quite well, especially over the four, last four or five years. and kept refreshing his team. So that... Uh, and also uh, kind of changing up the formations every now and then, which helps in maintaining the freshness and then intensity in the squad. So yes, Man City have been doing great. And, uh, uh, you know, as you said, said that... The key thing that I thought that, you know, you said there was that Guardiola keeps refreshing his squad and uh, it really takes something to, you know, to get to the top and then to stay at the top. And Man City have done just that. And that too, when all around them, the other teams have been really upping their game, whether it's, you know, with external investment, getting better players and Premier League has been one of the most lucrative leagues all around the world for a lot of reasons. And if you compare it, you know, what happened in the last 10 years to what it, what is happening now, uh, there are sides, you know, uh, who are competing at a high level and it's not easy, 
you know, to beat any team in the top 10 or for that matter, you know, even somewhere in the middle of the table as it is in other leagues. There's something that Man City therefore are doing, which is, you know, really right, right? In their squad or in their man management. If you really had to pick out this, the secret sauce of Man City, then what is it as per you? Uh, beauty. <laughs> um, the, the secret sauce would be their ownership. <laughs> um, they've got uh, uh, immense reserves of uh, money from right. their owners. But all, all jokes aside, uh, uh, it's it's another it's one thing having a lot of money, and it's another another thing uh, to utilize it properly. And Guardiola Guardiola has uh, really right. utilized the corpus that he has been given, and he has. Uh, utilized it to maximize the uh, output from his squad, be it refreshing any particular position, upgrading certain players. If you recall, when he came in 2016, that squad had players like uh, uh, Nolito, Jesus Navas, um, Otamendi. And now if you look at uh, their centre-backs, uh, you'll see John Stones, you'll see uh, Ruben Diaz, you'll see Manuel Akanji. And so on and so forth. And he's also created his uh, wing backs along with the front line. He's got Erling Holland, who's probably one of the he's, who's, he's going to be one of the best players in the world in the next uh, ten years. So he's very smart in that way. He's able to utilize the funds that are at his at, at his disposal. Right. And yeah, Man City are at this moment just flexing their financial muscle. They are now the City Financial Group. Uh, which has multiple uh, interests outside uh, uh, Manchester City Football Club as well. They've bought a football club in India as well, Mumbai City FC. They have a club in US as well. So it's going. It's kind of like a, con- a conglomerate now, so to speak. Right. And they are uh, milking it to the max. Right. So obviously, you know, they have they have a lot of financial power. But you know, as you also said that. It takes more than money and uh, definitely they are doing things right both off the field as well as on the field and uh, sometimes if things are not good off the field then that can impact you know things on the field and as you know we have seen that you know with a few clubs now moving on the other team uh, which I would say was in the contention you know for the top finish and probably they might have given the title away, and that is Arsenal. Arsenal season has, you know, really been phenomenal, regardless of you know where they finish in the season, uh, and they might have, you know, really given it away with that result against Brighton. But just let's just put into perspective, you know, how has it been for Arsenal? And this week against Brighton, they really wanted to keep the pressure up, but they couldn't do that. Uh, you know, we did see the highlights of the game. Uh, what what did you think that, you know, what was it that, you know, didn't go well for them in that particular game? Was it Brighton better than Arsenal or was it Arsenal missing their chances? Uh, what was that? Put it put put that for us uh, into perspective. Uh, so, I think one of the biggest factors in Arsenal's decline over the last three, four game weeks uh, has been the absence of it. Saliba, uh, uh, it's her uh, whose absence has impacted the team. But you can clearly see the difference uh, in a defense when Saliba is leading the line. And without Saliba, you can clearly see the difference. There is a bit of hurriedness and there is not that 
role, so to say, uh, uh, in terms of possession and ball retention. So that is one reason that I feel has probably contributed. But having said that, I think uh, this is quite a young squad. It's a up and coming squad. They're they're really talented players, but it's also a very young squad. And I do think Nubs have probably caught up with them. There's also a bit of fatigue, which I think uh, could have crept into it because uh, all the big players, be it Martinelli, uh, uh, Jesus was injured over a quite, quite a bit of time. Trossard, uh, uh, Trossard was playing for Brighton uh, constantly, and uh, the backline is kind of it's kind of remained unchanged over the entire season. So I think there's a bit of fatigue. There's a bit of mm-hmm. uh, nervousness or shall i say inexperience that is showing and, and a few key personnel missing which has really impacted arsenal's title charge yes indeed uh, and uh, you know we were we were we did speak about this before as well in the previous episodes that uh, you know till till what time you know can arsenal really you know pull it because we are thinking that somewhere down the line you know man city are going to catch up and are going to show their muscle but regardless, you know, of, uh, uh, you know, what it has been, uh, did did you ever expect, you know, at the beginning of the season that Arsenal are going to pull this off, that they're going to be the league leaders for a good part of the season and then are going to finish perhaps, you know, a strong second or even if possible, you know, a miracle and, uh, you know, win the title? Did you ever expect that coming before the season? Uh, to be honest, I did not, uh, because uh, I, uh, it's an up-and-coming squad. They had at Adinchenko and Jesus, but I genuinely thought they might finish somewhere around fifth. I did not think a title charge was coming, but uh, kudos to them. They Before the World Cup, they were on, on a roll. They were playing really well. Uh, uh, post the World Cup also, I think they were uh, doing fairly decently uh, over the last two, three months. But it, I think it's just post-April, they probably faltered after Saliba's injury. And uh, I think even Thomas Partey was not fit for uh, quite a bit of time. So, uh, truth, truth be told, I did not expect them to be uh, challenging for the title. But uh, uh, having them challenged for the title, it's kind of... Uh, I think it's disappointing for Arsenal supporters that they their title charges petered out in such a fashion. Yes, and you know uh, whatever Arsenal have done, it has, I would say perhaps uh, you know uh, been a surprise. Uh, it would be a great pleasant surprise for the Arsenal supporters, and you know it does show that if you're working towards a process, you know for some time. And that's what Mikel Arteta was doing. I can draw some parallels between perhaps him and Jorgen Klopp. You know, when Klopp came in, he was perhaps not that successful uh, in his first, uh, you know, few seasons. And the same thing with Arteta. But Arteta knew that, and maybe you know, the Arsenal fans knew that he was onto something. You know, he was building something. He got some players out who were not part of the culture, uh, who were not the part of the culture that Arteta wanted to build. And uh, the fruits of that, you know, uh, now they are, you know, able to, uh, you know, really have, uh, you know, based from the team that they have built. And I think this young squad is such a great advantage for them because that means that the players have perhaps not hit their peak. And in the coming season, two seasons, three seasons, they are going to get to the peak. And I think, uh, you know, next season, it should really be nothing less than a title charge, you know, for Arsenal. 
now we'll move to the uh, we'll move to uh, you know the most talked about uh, positions at this point of time in the season and there's definitely you know more than a couple of teams compete usually and that is the top four coveted champions league spots right and uh, this time uh, it's no different though mostly i would say it's perhaps you know uh, three teams in the race this one and we have uh, liverpool and their charge they their charge has come a little late but it's a strong charge which is coming they won their last seven and uh, you know we really expect uh, just a moment uh said some some theek hai na yeah yeah all good yeah yeah i can hear okay. okay. kya hua nahi mujhe laga ki kuch teri side se tu kuch bolna cha raha hai kuch wo aa raha tha theek nahi nahi i am very amless okay so uh, so talking about liverpool you know there is a strong charge which is coming from them they won this week against leicester and i think if truth be told uh, they have fairly easy matches uh, which they should win uh, the last two uh, for the last two games and the pressure is really on the teams above them newcastle and man united so liverpool have are keeping the pressure on and if there are any slip ups from the sides 3 and 4 then liverpool should catch them how do you see said this race for the top 4 panning out do you see any surprises uh, you know uh, happening uh, or do you think that you know the charge of liverpool is a little too late and newcastle and man united should see should seal those spots of 3 and 4 uh, uh well if you go strictly by the form book i do think liverpool have might have left it slightly late in their day uh to fixtures are relatively easy uh, i expect to win uh, both and you also have uh, decent games and i think winnable games which uh, they should be able to do they both both of them need uh, six points each to for a top four place and uh, man u especially they have uh, quite a easy run of fixtures i don't see them Uh, really losing any of those three games i understand the two previous games at west ham and uh, uh, at brighton, brighton uh, yeah. those were away games and man you have generally not played yeah they've generally not played well away from home but uh, uh, i think there's only one game with bournemouth that's away and bournemouth is not uh, that great a team to be honest uh, right. so i expect man you and newcastle to unless there's a big uh, unless there's a huge uh, upset uh, in for these teams uh, i do believe we probably quite late the day and i expect both newcastle and united to qualify fairly easily the race for top 4 is definitely on it's very much on and any slip up from either newcastle and man united and liverpool should catch them because liverpool have an easier set of fixtures and for newcastle and man united i think newcastle are perhaps the ones who have a tougher set of fixtures in man united perhaps that meeting against brighton uh, who have really been uh, you know you can say the party poopers for other people now you know before we go to the bottom bottom of the table said i want to talk a little bit about brighton you know they have had a brilliant season they have had a change in the manager 
and mostly and honestly the teams who have had changes of the managers in the middle of the season haven't really done that well uh, barring you know few exceptions and brighton have been that exception after graham potter left and roberto deserbi came not many people were really expecting them you know to keep that same form and tempo up but neither but not, not but not only have they kept that pressure up they've actually gone a step better they also lost players in the process one of their most instrumental players trossard they lost to arsenal but still this team has turned up they have played well and they have played also well against you know better teams uh, pep guardiola did put in in one of his press conferences if i recall correctly that brighton are the team are in fact one of the best teams in the premier league who play out from the back and as we know almost all the top teams right now like to play out from the back you know to build that possession so there's definitely something that brighton have been doing right they've recently defeated man united they have defeated arsenal in one of their most important games so what is it about brighton you know that uh, has really kept them up and what can we expect next for them uh you you do you've absolutely uh, nailed the introduction of brighton as a team uh, they've been a they've been a team which they've they've kind of like the flag bearer of the moneyball teams that we see uh that we that we have started seeing over the years uh it's absolutely right they lost some key players uh, early on in the season they lost yves bisoma uh, and then in the midst of the season they they lost trossard to uh, arsenal so they have been losing key players but they have uh they have been able to replace them with the home grown academy grown players also they've been able to recruit very smartly they've been able to unearth some real gems like you know gauro mitoma uh, alexis mcallister uh, pascal gross uh, 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 you could see uh, last night against arsenal it was uh, denis undev or enciso uh, academy graduates from from brighton who have been uh, slowly integrated into the team and they have performed really well estupinian at the back uh, time, has been a force to reckon with during the season <laughs> every time i see a new player who's who's doing so well for brighton you know undav is you know the next thing and uh, you know yeah i mean continue yeah so uh, all in all i think uh, it's not, uh, of course the manager change has been very smooth and seamless deserbi is a very progressive very Uh, attacking manager and also very tactically flexible like all the great managers are uh, in the current modern era but uh, i think it, uh, a huge credit goes to the club as well the owners as well who have uh, managed to run the club in such a sustainable manner where they are able to unearth new gems also able to integrate academy talents and yet, yet at the same time play a very attractive uh, brand of football so kudos to brighton for that kudos to brighton indeed you know and uh, they are like this bright shining light and hopefully you know they, they keep continuing that and uh, uh, and they are pushing the race for a european spot uh, maybe perhaps you know the top 4 spot not out of reach uh, you know uh, but they do have some really tough fixtures honestly you know at the end they have to play newcastle they play man city 
so uh, you know not that easy but they can definitely you know go for that uh, you know try and go for that uh, spot uh, in europe which is which which is what they sit which is number 6 i believe and if they if yeah. they are there then you know they should be good for the europa league now quickly moving on to the bottom part of the table which is something that deserves our attention especially at this time of the season right and we have our first team to be relegated and that is the saints southampton uh, i think right now we'll perhaps just you know talk about southampton uh, it's uh, it's actually a little bit sad i think to see them go because they have been really uh, they have produced some great players if you see certain you know players that they have produced uh, for example they initially had the likes of luke shaw back in the day and then uh, uh, you know uh, virgil van dijk uh, sadio mane all those players from southampton who eventually went on to liverpool and even right now the squad is really good but the it is what it is they have been relegated they have had a very torrid season especially after their manager left so sit talk us through you know a little bit about the legacy of southampton uh, the players who uh, you know we have seen from southampton grow into great players for other teams and then finally you know what what happened with them you know this season absolutely yaar uh, i would say the they had the same legacy that probably brighton is uh, blazing right now of uh, developing young talents into big uh, superstars right uh, if you see their books they have quite a few young ones right now who i think could go on to have great careers they have uh, uh, in defense they have mohammed salisu tino livramant amel bella cut these are these are big and uh, it's 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 very squad is brimming with young talent there's romeo lavia who's the cdm he's a terrific player and uh, i think i think where they faltered is probably uh, they 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 needed a change of manager at the end of last season as well uh, ralf hasanotel has done a decent fist of a job but you could see over the end of the last season he was probably losing grip on the player and the team was not responding as well to him uh so they had and then nathan jones had a horrible time here and then he was sacked and replaced by rubelis the the caretaker manager so that change in management as well as having a young squad and not really having a a very uh, significant forward line if you see the forward line it's uh, shay adams and adam armstrong not really the kind of forwards who would set the world on fire to right. be honest even though they have some Uh, even though they have some great young players like Maitland, Maitland Niles is also on their uh, books. Um, so uh, all in all, uh, uh, it was a good squad, like an in, in, inexperienced squad, I would put it. They probably needed a dash of experience. A few, two, three big players would be needed to uh, would have been required to uh, for them to avoid the drop. But unfortunate the way things have run, and they have been a trailblazing club. the last few years in the premier league so it's sad to see them go down yes sad indeed but you know as they say that you know uh, when you go down uh, then uh, the other way is you know to go up and uh, it is a cycle and uh, southampton do have good players 
and hopefully you know we'll we'll see them you know sometime soon back uh, in the premier league but for now they go back you know to they go to the championship and uh, you know we'll be following their journey there so that's all for the premier league and quickly we'll talk about champions league and this time the champions league is at the business end that means that some of you know the best teams in europe competing for that coveted trophy uh, for which you know there's always that fight you know to get in the top 4 the top 2 in certain leagues and this time in the semi finals uh, we find ourselves uh, one of the semi final leg which has just completed was an all italian affair with the two teams from milan so we'll talk about that before we go to the other semi final uh, so said ac milan meeting inter and there was very little to choose you know between these two teams at the beginning of the tie but the way you know the tie panned out uh, inter really went on you know to take that big lead very early on in the tie and uh, from there on it was it was mainly catch up you know for ac milan in the second leg which just completed uh you know uh, in the early hours of today if you go by the indian time uh, ac milan did try to you know catch up uh, they had rafael leao back uh, but really you know couldn't get the job done and uh, at the end of the day you know inter just needed you know that one more goal uh, and inter were the convincing winners in that tie yo yo that i think um... Uh, the tie was fairly flat uh, if you see uh, inter were uh, inter once they had the lead in the first leg they were always going to sit back and uh, defend their lead uh, they have a pretty good set of defenders in bastoni di marco uh, nicolo barella and uh, they have a very strong squad a very strong base their forward line of lotaro martinez and jeco uh, is in quite a decent form lukaku was on a bench uh, surprisingly because lukaku has hit a very nice uh, set of form over the last few days so that shows that whole squad is in a pretty good uh, frame of mind and clicking and uh, with milan i thought they were pretty flat inter were not really uh, pushing for the goal but milan were just flat uh, for a champions league semi finals and uh, they were uh, punished also uh, lotaro martinez scored a very uh, scored a good goal and uh, inter thoroughly deserved Uh, to go into the uh, finals for this year's Champions League. True, and Inter are there in the finals now, uh, yeah. and uh, you know we will definitely you know preview uh, the final in detail. Whoever is the team you know which comes from the other tie, and the other tie is what you know we are going to talk about uh, in the final you know section of this podcast, and that is you know Man City versus Real. Uh, probably the two best teams in the competition they have been great uh, all throughout real obviously uh, you know the masters you can say of you know uefa uh, champions league and man city so good this season uh, it seems that they're perhaps a better version of what they were at the same time last year when these two teams met that makes this tie all the more interesting and uh, so yeah we have the second uh, tie just in a matter of uh, you know maybe just an hour and a half uh, so uh, you know just uh, put that put that game for us uh, in perspective what do you see uh, you know uh, can happen and can guardiola really get one on his arch rival uh, ancelotti and see his team through to a final 
Yeah, so uh, if you, I saw the first leg as well, and uh, the match was very entertaining. It was a complete end-to-end game at uh, at uh, at the at Real Madrid's uh, home ground. So uh, I I do expect uh, today's game to be a cracker. Man City, as you very rightly said, they are more smarter. They are more uh, cunning with their game plan. Mm-hmm. They have a monster forward in Erling Holland, and uh, they also have probably. And B or C against Real Madrid, so you feel. Uh, so I would say the punters' favorites definitely are Man City, having uh, the kind of squad, having the kind of form that they have hit up, and the kind of feel that this could be Man City's year. But having said that, Real Madrid is a uh, is one of the best sides in Europe. There's no bones about it. They have one of the best midfields in the uh, in the entire Euro- Europe in, in in Europe. And then Vinicius Junior and Benzema, they have a, a terrific forward line. Vinicius Junior for me is absolutely he's a world player, uh, right up there with both Mbappe and Holland. So I I expect a cracker of a game. And Ancelotti is a he's a he's a cunning and a very smart operator. And Guardiola Guardiola better be aware beware of him because real are also playing it really smart they are trying to play the underdog in today's fixture but uh, i know for a fact real can really bulldoze through man city if they if they get the chance because they have that sort of players that they can change up their strategy play position they can play on the counter they can uh, they can play on the you know they can change up their formation so they are mm-hmm. a very fluid side and man city really have to be on their toes against them so do you then uh, are you expecting a real madrid win uh, in this tie uh, well uh, it's touch and go uh, but i just i would just give real madrid a slight edge given their european pedigree although mm-hmm. i do expect a very tight encounter but i'll just give i'll just have a, give a slight edge to real considering their legacy i see uh, yeah it is it is definitely you know not going to be easy for either side uh, for real uh, they 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 really know you know how to play at these big occasions but yes for city you know they have been so good their home form again has been terrific and uh, uh, i think it really you know matters perhaps who is you know probably get out of those nerves faster right uh, if either team perhaps maybe you know sits back and you know doesn't doesn't take those you know chances or doesn't show that intensity then i think the other team is out there you know to punish the team so it's going to be a cracker of a game and uh, i think the entire football world is going to be watching and um, i think uh, maybe fair to say that the team which goes ahead in this tie is probably uh, the more favorite to win the champions league absolutely i i do i do think this is the real final <laughs> uh, so to so to say so yeah whoever wins this match is it is a very high chance they're going to end up as the champions right so yeah, uh, yeah i think uh, that's uh, that's what we believe here you know from the podcast and uh, all of you keep watching football uh, we are now just you know down to the business end in the leagues throughout europe and uh, we're going to be bringing you further updates uh, next week from the premier league from champions league and from other leagues as well so keep watching and uh, let us know you know what do you think about uh, uh, you know different games and uh, thank you so much siddharth you know for joining again uh, on this episode uh, lovely to have you always here
thanks so they always a pleasure to to chat with you and come on the podcast so thank you for having me great thank you all and uh, have a great week of uh, watching football and uh, we'll see you uh, uh, on the, at the next week Thank you.